As I think about Christmas, I think about some of the best presents, you know, some of the best gifts I've ever gotten. And, um, and, and one that comes to mind uh, was uh, my brothers. I have two brothers, and there's sort of three boys in the family. And one of the best presents that we ever got was when we were in our teenage years. And, uh, and so my mom and dad said, okay, we got to go out to the garage, and you got to see the presents. So we go outside, we're kind of blindfolded, and we go out there, and it's okay, open your eyes. And, and, and in the garage were two snowmobiles. And that was kind of cool, right? Two snowmobiles. They weren't brand new, but they were, you know, used snowmobiles. And we said, man, this is cool, you know? And we were at that age that, man, this is, this is an adventure. And, and we take it up north. My parents have a cabin in northern Michigan. And uh, we kind of took it up there. And those two snowmobiles, I'm not sure that it lasts over a year. Because we were so rough, us boys, we, 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 we were so rough. We were actually dangerous. There might be some things I'd say today that might shock my mom and dad as they listen to me tell this story. But, you know, I got my one brother take the snowmobile going 35 miles per hour through the woods with no path. He's making his own path. And on a crash and smash into a tree. And I think that snowmobile still stuck somewhere in the middle of the forest <laughs> in northern Michigan. The other one, you know, lasts a little bit longer, and, uh, but oftentimes we'd be going so fast on it that we would be on the icy road and we were just cruising and we would lose control and we would actually flip sideways, going 45, 50 miles per hour down the road. Me still holding on to the steering wheel, with my brother still holding on to me, you know, with a helmet just kind of gliding across the road. You know about that, Mom? No? Okay, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, and we get up, and, and we, you know, it stops, and we, we flip it back up, and it's still running. We were just so rough. Eventually, the thing just died. I mean, we just, you know, we were, it was taking so much abuse from us that it just couldn't make it. They couldn't handle the Blanchards, all right? And I think about, you know, going sideways, and I think about, you know, the world. I think about the world we live in, and the world that we're living in is, we would say, gone sideways, broken. We would say in this world, there's no peace. You know, there's sadness and rumors of wars, there's wars actually happening. And, 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 and it's broken. It's no peace. And oftentimes we wonder, where's the peace? Where's the peace that we sing about a couple of nights ago right here in our Christmas, Christmas Eve service? You know, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. We close the song, sleep, sleep in heavenly peace. And we say, man, that's beautiful, but, but, but where's the peace? In a world that's gone sideways, in a world that's been broken, where, where is the peace of Christmas? Where is the peace in our lives? In the last few weeks, we've been in this series, and we're going to close it out today, but we have been looking at this verse in Isaiah chapter 9, and we've been looking at this prophecy that 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And, and that's something I've been kind of saying almost every week, that this is a, a prophecy 700 years before Jesus. But what I want to do for just a few minutes is give you a little bit more background to Isaiah 9. 
to help you understand what was really happening in, in, the, in Israel, what was happening during this time period. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 9, the prophet named Isaiah was actually was a messenger of God to the southern kingdom of Israel. Now, that might confuse you if you don't know your Bible stories, your Bible lessons, if you didn't grow up in Sunday school. That might confuse you when I say southern kingdom. And so here, let me just kind of give you the, 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 the 411 on this. All right? and, and King David and King Solomon, there was one kingdom. A kingdom consists of 12 tribes. But after King Solomon, you know, one of his sons, you know, was the next king, and, and just was not living right for God. In fact, was taking the, the Israel, the kingdom of God, God's people, the opposite direction of the worship of God. They started worshiping false idols. And, and, and so because of that, God split. God split the kingdom into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom consists of 10 tribes. The southern kingdom consists of two tribes. Those two tribes were Judah and Benjamin. Sometimes the southern kingdom might be called Judah. You know, when we read in the Old Testament, when you start reading in the, in the first, and second, no, first and second kings, you start reading about the different, the, the two timelines here. There's the northern king, kingdom timeline, there's a the southern kingdom timeline. Now, there the, are the two separate kings. There were a line of kings for the northern kingdom, and there was a line of kings in the southern kingdom. The lines of kings in the northern kingdom, their trajectory, their trend, if we were to look at a stock market, you know, where it's kind of, it, it was just kind of going downhill. You know, one king after another king after another king, bad, bad, got even worse, got even worse, got even worse, right? Hardly saw any bright spots in the northern kingdom. <clears throat> the guy would send his messengers to say, y'all need to shape up. If y'all don't get back right with, with me, if you, don't, if you don't stop worshiping the false gods, I, I'm going to punish you. And they kept, they kept ignoring God. And eventually, in 722 BC, the northern kingdom fall to the empire of Assyria, the Assyrian empire. They take over, and the northern kingdom become a slave state to the Assyrian empire. They lost, they, they lost everything. Now, the southern kingdom, they had a little bit more hope. The line of kings were all bad. They had some really good kings, then they would have some bad kings. Then they'd have a good king and a bad king. They just kept going up and down, up and down. But over time, it went bad, bad, bad. And in 586 BC, 150 years later, after the fall of the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom fall to the Babylonian Empire. This is where you know the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were part of the, the uh, Babylonian prisoners that were taken captive in 586 BC. Okay, so I just kind of give you those two timelines. You understand? Don't fall asleep on me, okay? So you got the northern kingdom, 
All right, not going so well. In fact, 722 BC, they're done. All right, southern kingdom, those two, Benjamin, you know, those two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, they last a little bit longer, 150 years longer, before Babylonians took over. So Isaiah chapter 9 is written in 730 BC. At this time, there's the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Now, now seven, eight years later, it's 722 BC. And that's when the northern kingdom falls. But Isaiah is a prophet in the southern kingdom. He's speaking to kings in the southern kingdom. Now, the king that's happening in Isaiah 9 is the king named Ahaz. Not to be confused with Ahab. Ahab, that's the, you know, who's married to Jezebel. That's a different king. He was a terrible king. Ahaz, not a good king. Now, Ahaz's father, who was the king before, his name was King Jotham, great king. And then Ahaz's son, who becomes the king after Ahaz died, you know, you know his name. His name is King Hezekiah. Hezekiah, great king. All right, so Ahaz is sandwiched between two good kings. Ahaz is an evil king, worshiping false gods. And, and Isaiah is trying to, you know, get him to turn the ship. Hey, focus on God, focus on God. And so in the time of this writing, Ahaz, in, in, the, in, the, in the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom, is feeling the pressure of the Assyrian Empire. They want to take over. In fact, they are being camped out outside the walls of Jerusalem, trying to take over, trying to starve them out. And Ahaz, is, is, he's freaking out. He's trying to build alliances with some of the other neighboring countries, trying to do all this stuff. And, and Isaiah shows up and he said, King Ahaz, you don't need these other alliances. You need God. You need Jesus. You need, a, you, need, you need him. You need to get back to the worship of God. And Ahaz, you know, he's not listening. And so in this time of unrest, this time of no peace, because they're all worried about the Assyrian Empire. By the way, the Assyrian Empire never invaded. Over time, King Ahaz built an alliance with the Assyrian um, empire and, and they survived. But at this point in Isaiah chapter 9, now things were very dicey. People were very nervous. Nothing was coming in, nothing was coming out, no food was coming in. They, I mean, they, they were getting hungry, things were getting pretty bad economically. They weren't sure if they were going to survive the next day. And Isaiah comes in with a message. To King Ahaz and to the people, Isaiah 9 says, talking about a deliverer, a Messiah that's going to come. And hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And we see the four names that we've been talking about. If you look here in Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us there's going to be a child that's going to be born. Unto us, the son is given, and the government, hey, the government will be on his shoulders. He will be in charge. 
And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Here's Isaiah giving them this awesome hope in the middle of hopelessness. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And, and my prayer is for us that you and I will experience the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just at Christmas time, but all year round. And unfortunately, I see people who just don't have peace. I see people who are stressed out, they're tension, no peace. I see Christian marriages, and I think, okay, he knows Jesus. She knows Jesus, therefore they should have a peaceful marriage. But unfortunately, we see studies that show that just as many Christian marriages end up in divorce as non-Christian marriages. Some studies say that there's even more than that. It's even worse than that for Christian marriages. And we wonder, where's the Prince of Peace? And I look at people, you know, financially. Most people I know, they're making more than they ever made before, and yet they still struggle financially. They run out of money before the month is over. They're living paycheck to paycheck. They're just trying to get to the next paycheck. Where's the peace in that? I look at relation, relational tension. I mean, you can feel it. I mean, sometimes you go on social media, you can feel it. I mean, you can't go into a, a parking lot at a store without getting flipped off by somebody. <laughs> it's the tension. Where's the peace? Turn on the news. It's never good news. It's always bad news. Where's the peace? And so the question that we wrestle with if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, then did he fail? Uh, did, did he fail? And ultimately, the answer to that question depends on how you define peace. Y'all with me? How you define peace? When we study the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, in the Hebrew language, it's the word Sar Shalom. Sar Shalom. Now, if you're taking note, the word Sar, it means the one who's in charge. It means the captain. It means Lord, General, Chief. The Roman. They took that word sar, okay? They took that word, and, and, and they used that as a title. In fact, they added the letter C to the front, and they made it a sar, C-Z-A-R. Over time, they took that word and translated it into the word Caesar. We get the word, no, we, we hear that title in Roman emperors, Julius Caesar. Augustus Caesar. And so this means the one who's in charge. So we would say that Jesus is the captain. He is 
the chief, the Lord, he's the Tsar of Shalom. Now the word Shalom, it, it means um, peace. And it's actually a greeting term among Jewish people. They would say to each other, Shalom. We would say in our culture, hi, how are you doing? That's, that's how we roll. Right? If, you, if you're from the South, you say, hey, y'all. That's how you would say it in the South, okay? Hey, hey, y'all. And when I lived there for a while, I, I, I sounded like a redneck for a little bit. And, and, and then I came up here and, and, and I was saying to people, hey, y'all. And people were like, what are you? You know, what is going on? And I said, oh, man, I'm not in the South no more. I got to talk like I used to talk, and like, hi, how are you? And, and that's how we greet each other. The Jewish people, they greet with each other, shalom. Shalom. It means peace. It means rest. It means tranquility, wholeness, completeness. All these terminology with the idea of shalom. So Jesus is the star shalom. You could also say that he's the captain, the captain of rest. He's the Lord of tranquility. He is the chief of contentment. He is the prince, the prince of peace. Now, for us, in order for us to have peace, real peace in our lives, we have to live under the star shalom. Uh, Karen, Karen can come help me up here. And uh, she can help me with this umbrella. And I had, um, got it, all right, there we go. Now, living in Florida for a while, you have to have an umbrella you know, otherwise you get soaked. And sometimes, just because you have an umbrella in Florida doesn't mean you're going to stay dry because the rain just blows sideways. And so Karen can open up the umbrella. I know it's bad luck to do it inside a building, but we'll get over it. And there we go. Um, and so uh, we, we have this umbrella. And, and sometimes in Florida, you know, Karen, if you remember, sometimes, you know, you open up the umbrella and the wind is so strong that the umbrella actually inverts. And it rips up the umbrella. And so there have been many times we've gone through several umbrellas. And so in Michigan, you know, we don't have that big of a problem as much. And so uh, we're thankful for that. But, um, you know, so when you're, the point of the umbrella is to, is to is what? To stay dry. Okay. I, it would be, it would look silly if it's raining and I open an umbrella but I don't get under it. People are like, well, why are you not living under, or why are you not walking under the umbrella? That just look dumb. You know, you're getting wet. What's the point if you're not gonna use the umbrella? And so if I wanna stay dry, I'm gonna walk, hey babe, I'm gonna walk <laughs> under the umbrella. And we're going to stay dry underneath the umbrella. Now, I want to use this illustration to, to help us see a picture of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the peace, the Prince of Peace in our lives. So oftentimes we're looking for peace. 
if you want to have peace of God in your life, and then you got to live under the lordship, or you got to live under the prince of peace and his direction for your life. But oftentimes, as believers, we're, we're walking through our Christian walk, but we have no peace. And it's because we're not under the umbrella of the Prince of Peace. You know, you're doing things your way. You know, maybe you're, you're a dating couple. And you think, you know what, we're just going to step outside of the bound of marriage. We're going to live, you know, together. We're going to, we're going to not wait till marriage. We're just going to do it. And, 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 and then we're going to go to church still. We're still going to, hey, we're going to read the Bible. But you're expecting peace. And, and my friend, the peace is not going to be with you because you're not living under the principles of God's word, under the principle of the teaching of the Prince of Peace. Or, or, or maybe you, know, you have a credit card. You're a believer and you got a credit card and you just spend, spend, spend. You spend money that you don't have. And you wonder, man, why is my life so stressful? Why am I having all this financial pressure because you're not living according to biblical uh, financial principles. You're not living under the umbrella of the Prince of Peace. You're doing things your way. Or maybe you're, maybe you're married. You know, maybe you're married and, and, and you're having a, you know, a fight. And we, you know, if you're married, you know, has it up and down. I get that. But man, you have a fight. And it's so bad. And, Call each other's name and your kids see it. In fact, embarrass the kids. And, 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 and then you go to church and put on your Jesus smile. You know, you get to church, you put on your Jesus smile. And be, but behind that smile is, is, is devastation, it's unforgiveness. There's no peace. It's because you're not living under the umbrella of the Prince of Peace. The Lordship of Christ. You see, when we live underneath the umbrella of the peace of God, yes, your, your world might be falling apart, but inwardly, you have a peace that goes beyond human understanding, beyond words, what words can't even describe. The prince. A peace. Karen, you did a great job. Thank you. So, give it up for her. So here's what I want to do for the next few minutes. If you're taking notes. I want to break down this statement. And the statement is this. You cannot have the peace of God until you first have peace with God. I don't want to lose you here. So, you know, I know, it's the day after Christmas. You know, maybe you had a little too much eggnog yesterday. I'm not sure what's happening, all right? So just hang in there with me, okay? There's a difference between peace of God and peace with God. Now I want to break that down for you as quickly as I can before we get into our communion. But there is a difference. So let's take a few minutes. Number one, let's talk about the peace of God. The peace of God is Jesus 
It's the peace who comforts you and me, who comfort us. And some of you right now, you've got some things in your life that's just going haywire. Things are going sideways, just like a snowmobile. It's just going sideways. Understand that the star of Shalom, Jesus, wants to bring you comfort. Here's what Jesus said in John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My, my peace I give you. No, notice, notice that it's not your peace. Notice that it is the peace that Jesus gives to us. He says, I do not give to you as the world gives. He said, I'm not giving you the kind of peace that the world gives. And listen, the world has done lots of peace. You know, think about some of the peace treaties. You know, you got the, the Treaty of Paris. You got the Treaty of, of, of Versailles. You got the, the, the Paris uh, Peace Accord, which ended, ended the Vietnam War. Uh, and, and the world, hey, we, we come up with peace, but it never stops, right? There, there are always wars and rumors of wars. Jesus said, listen, whatever the world's given, I can trump it a whole lot better and a whole lot bigger. My peace goes beyond what the world can give. My peace is true. My peace is real. And only Jesus can give us that peace. He said, then he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. And don't be afraid. So we have this peace that he gives us. And we don't have to be troubled by it. And some of you might say, well, what if I don't have his peace? What if I don't have his peace? And if we don't have his peace, just maybe you're just trying to live your life. You're a follower of Jesus, but you're not living under the lordship or under the umbrella of the peace of Jesus, the, peace, the prince of peace. You're, you're trying to live life your way. You're trying to do it on your own path. You know, yeah, you're, you're, you've asked Jesus to come in your heart, be your Lord and Savior, but you want to do it your way. You want to live your direction. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6, it said, don't be anxious about anything. Right now, many of you, you're anxious. Just stop and think about that for a minute. You're anxious. You're anxious about next year. You're anxious about the economy. You're anxious about what's happening politically. You're anxious about what's happening internationally. You're anxious. You're anxious about your, your, your personal family. You're anxious about your personal security. You're anxious about your, your job. You're anxious. You're anxious about the pandemic. What's going to happen? What, what, gonna, what is the virus going to throw at its nuts? We're anxious. The Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. Easier said than done, right? <laughs> Easier said than done. But the Bible said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, it said, present your request to God. To give it to him. Follow after him. Take it to him. You see, we're trying to do it on our own. We're trying to solve the world problem on our own. We're trying to figure it out on our own. And Jesus said, hey, listen, listen, give it to me. I'm the one that can give you real peace. And then he said in verse number, verse number seven, get this. 
and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You want to guard your heart? You want to guard your mind? You live under the Prince of Peace. You follow after his leading. You follow after his will. You follow after the spirit, where the spirit of God wants to take you. You follow after the word of God. You live by the word of God. And the peace of God will guard your heart, will guard your mind. In other words, our minds take it to places that we should not go. Our minds begin to worry about the future, worry about what's happening. But the peace of God, so you know what? No matter what happens, God is still God. God is still good. That's the peace of God. Jesus is the one who wants to bring us comfort, the peace of God. But here's the second thought real quick. If we talk about the peace, we talk about the peace with God. Peace of God, peace with God. And the peace with God is that Jesus is the peace that saves us. He is the peace who brings salvation. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, not good works, not by our good efforts, but we have been justified by faith, through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, peace with God is a relational position with Jesus. If you have been saved, you've asked Jesus to come in your heart, then you have the peace with God. You have eternal peace. You have peace that knowing where you're going to die, you'll be saved. You'll be saved from hell. You've been rescued from that eternally. That's the peace with God. Now, you can have the peace with God as a believer, but not have the peace of God. You follow me? Y'all with me so far? All right, I, I see some head. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you, you, you can have the peace with God. You can be saved, but not have his inward peace because you're not living underneath the umbrella of the prince of peace. So how do I have peace with God? Let's talk about those that don't have peace with God. You know, this next verse is the key verse of Christmas, and it sums up the Christmas story and why we celebrate. And it answers the question on how we can find peace with God. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. He will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This little baby named Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Because of sin, we are restless. Because of sin, we have no peace. We have no peace with God. But Jesus came 
so that we can have peace with God. He came to save us, to rescue us from our sin nature, from our depravity. That's why he came. He came so that we could have peace, not what the world gives. You talk about something much bigger than world peace. Because we'll never have world peace. He said, I've given you something much bigger and much better than that. Peace with the creator and the sustainer of the universe. The king of kings and the lord of lords. You can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. One of my favorite verses, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I've used it before, but I want to give you three truths about John 3, 16. Number one, the fact. And the fact is that God loves you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how much sin you've done in your life, God still loves you. Here's the second truth about John 3, 16. It's the act. The act is that God gave his one and only son for you. You see, fat, without action, we just been playing fat, but Jesus, but God followed through on his fat. He said, listen, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to actually give the greatest act of love. I'm going to give my only son to us. He came. We celebrated 2,000 years ago, Christmas. We celebrated that yesterday. And on Easter, we celebrate the fact that he conquered the grave. We celebrate his life. That's the act that he did for us. He died on the cross for you and for me. What's the third truth of John 3.16? John it's so important. The pact. See, yeah, I rhyme. Pact, act, pact. The pact is this. And the ball is in your court. That whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him can have peace with God. My prayer for you is this. Number one, that every one of you have the peace with God. If you don't have peace with God, that's your next step is to ask him to come in your life to be your Lord and Savior. That's your first step. Don't worry about peace of God because you can't have peace of God until you have peace with God. Your first step is peace with God, is a relationship with God. That's my, that's, my first, yeah, that's my first challenge for all of us here. But really, my second hope in the room, that's, you know, with everyone in this room, is not only you have the peace with God, but you have the peace of God. You're living under the blessings of the Prince of Peace. And you're safe and you're secure. Doesn't mean bad things won't happen. Oh, it will. But you don't have to be anxious about anything. 
You don't have to be troubled. You don't have to be afraid. Why? Because the peace of God is all over you. Because you're living according to his will and regard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. See, my friend, hope has a name. Let's not ever forget it because that name is Jesus. He's wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father who loves you. And he is the Shah Shalom, the Prince of Peace. In a minute, we're going to participate in communion. And this is an opportunity for you to reflect where you're at. If you don't have a relationship with God, maybe today you say, you know what, I need to take that next step and ask Jesus to become my Lord and Savior. Maybe you're not deaf. You know what? As I participate and remember the death and resurrection of Jesus, that I need to realign my life underneath the Prince of Peace. I've been doing things my way. I'm a Christian, but I've not been living for God. I've been living against God. I've been living outside of the will of God. And today, I recognize that I need to get back underneath the prince of peace. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for what you've done in our lives. Help us not to ever forget that you are our prince of peace. You want to give us your peace. We cannot manufacture peace on our own. We trust you for the peace that only you can give that we can have peace with you. And God, I pray that if there's someone here today that doesn't have a relationship with you, God, I pray that they can experience your peace. And God, for those who do have the peace with God, maybe they don't have the peace of God. Maybe they're trying to live life their own way. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's an area or someone that they need to forgive. Maybe there's, a, um, maybe there's some things in their life financially that they need to do right biblically. Maybe there's a sin in their life that, that, that they need to come clean. God, whatever it is, God, I pray that they will experience your peace by surrendering to you, by following after your leader. Because we, we're never going to experience true peace until we do the right thing and live under the Lordship of Jesus. And so, God, during this time of communion, the next few minutes, I pray that you would work in our hearts, speak in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take time for communion here. And I have, uh, we have the two-in-one little things. If you didn't get one, just raise your hand. Our, our, our volunteers will come through. And uh, just raise your hand real quick. Make sure you got one of these. And uh, make sure no one, not get one. There's a couple in the back over here. There's one up here in the front. It's a little tricky here, okay? And I, I, um, I got to confess, in the first service, I thought I was going to spill it all over my shirt. And then I, I thought I was going to be wearing the blood of Jesus. And, and um, thankfully, thankfully, I did it. So, you know, let me just kind of help you through this. And, um, but let me, let me just say a few things about communion. Communion, we don't believe that this saves a person. You know, if, if, by the way, if I felt like this saves a person, we do this every, every day. 
Okay, I make sure we do this every week. But this is just a picture of what Jesus did for us. It's a time of reflection. It's a time to remember what Jesus does. It also, in that, in that time of remembrance, it also allows us to do our own personal self-evaluation or self-reflection self and say, God, man, there's areas in my life that I need to come clean. I, I've not been living underneath, underneath the umbrella of the Prince of Peace. And, and I, I confess, and today I want to get back to where I need to be. I need to, I need to get back to following after you. And, and so that, that's an opportunity for us in the next few minutes to just really kind of reflect, remember and reflect. Look upward and then look inward.